0: Before the calendar flips to 2020, I wanted to do one last very special episode, and this one will highlight another side of the plant-based lifestyle. And it's not just about getting animals off of our plate. This episode is going to be devoted to improving their quality of life and ending unnecessary lab testing and ultimately saving their lives. We could do all of that while also improving our own health, including in Michigan. That is where lawmakers are working to outlaw painful experiments on dogs, and we need your help to get that over the hurdle. I'm going to tell you how you can do that, how you can pitch in and do your part in just a bit, and not just in Michigan either, but wherever it is that you live because there are some exciting opportunities thanks to some very generous supporters of the Physicians Committee. But about Michigan... I want to welcome our Vice President of Research Policy, Christy Sullivan. I want to welcome her back to the show to bring us up to speed on where things stand with this important legislation, talking about House Bill 5090. We're going to be getting an update and find out why it's important, not just for the quality of animal lives, but also your life as well. And then, a little bit later on in the show, you are going to hear from a 13-year-old who may be the most inspirational kid you have ever met. You've heard of teen moms? Well, Josie is a teen pig mom. She found Franny abandoned on the side of the road, begged her parents to let her take her in, and Fran Fran... Turns out she is just the first of many animals that Josie has rescued, and now she's getting a lot of attention for her efforts, and I wanted to ask her to come on and share her story and basically just give us the feels. (laughs) It's impossible to hear this story and not become inspired. You are definitely going to get the feels. But we're going to start this episode with Christy Sullivan and an eye on that all important legislation aimed at helping dogs in Michigan. As we continue here on the Exam Room podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, our attention is going to shift to the state of Michigan, where a very exciting piece of legislation has been introduced that would essentially end dog testing in laboratories. And to help us understand exactly what is going on there, we are going to bring in the Vice President of Research Policy here at the Physicians Committee, Christy Sullivan. Welcome to the show, Christy.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, let's talk a little bit about
0: this legislation here. This is, uh, the technical term is House Bill 5090. What exactly would this do?
1: So this bill uh, would, if Enacted would outlaw the use of dogs in what are called painful experiments at its public institutions in Michigan. So, um, lots of different kinds of experiments on animals are conducted at many research institutions and other organizations. This bill is specifically targeting dogs and it's specifically targeting. Painful experiments where the animals are expected to feel pain either because they are being, you know, um, uh, having surgery performed on them um, and and maybe they aren't given adequate pain relief or maybe they aren't given pain relief because that's what the experiment calls for.
0: And how many dogs are we talking about that are being tested each, each year in Michigan?
1: Um there are, in the last 4 years about 700 dogs have been used in these kinds of experiments.
0: Okay, so t- two topics that I want to uh, touch on next is one, what becomes of these dogs during the experiment process? You talked about some of the the experiments are are painful, but you know what happens to these dogs? Are they available for adoption afterwards?
1: Not usually no. Um In many experiments, um, and, you know, one example is a a set of experiments conducted at Wayne State University. These experiments are um, purported to look at cardiology and the effects of um, exercise on the dog's cardiovascular system. And the dogs are um, surgically implanted with sensors and other equipment and then forced to run on treadmills, so to exercise. About 25% of the dogs in these experiments die before they even finish uh, because of complications from the surgery or they just can't, um, can't take the treadmill training. Dogs that refuse to run on the treadmill are just used as practice for for surgery techniques and then killed. Most of the time, even if the dogs um, survive, you know, any procedure that they're given, they're usually killed so that they can be assessed for whatever effects the experimenter is looking for, or, you know, they're just um, discarded because they're not, um, they've finished the experiment. They're not going to keep them around.
0: Well, that sounds a lot like what you and I have talked about on previous shows is that there really is not a happy ending for any of these animals.
1: No. Occasionally you hear about cases where dogs are adopted out and and absolutely that's great when it can happen, but it just doesn't happen very often.
0: How effective are these procedures in terms of bringing a drug to market that in this case would treat heart disease is this really the best avenue that researchers should be exploring
1: no uh you know these experiments have been going on for decades, and uh, we really haven't seen, NIH just keeps funding them, the National Institutes of Health is funding these experiments in particular. Um, But we really haven't seen uh, a lot of good information come out of these experiments that would be helpful to people. In fact, a lot lot of what we know about how our human cardiovascular system works and how either diet or exercise affects it is from studies on humans, Um, Mm -hmm. perhaps not surprisingly people might have heard of the Framingham Heart Institute, uh, heart study. And that has been going on for many decades. And it looks at people in their lives going around what kinds of things affect their cardiovascular system. Uh, There are other experiments where you can use um, donated human tissue uh, from people who have passed away and whose whose, um, organs are not suitable for transplant. Those Organs tissues can be used for research to discover really important um, wh- facts about how the cardiovascular system works, and and so we would um, say that that that's really what the National Institutes of Health ought to be fun- funding, and that's really what um, Michigan's legislature should be focusing on and encouraging.
0: I think that another way that you could look at that is that we need to find the single most effective method of research for this as well and and testing on animals clearly as you we're just saying is is not the most effective method but then if you look at the statistics i I believe it's by the year 2030 you know somewhere close to 30 or i'm sorry somewhere close to 3 million michiganers will have heart disease and that's a huge problem that's 3 million people in just one state and so you would think that you would want to key in hone in on really the best method to try to attack this disease right
1: right and and uh, people might be surprised that, in fact, Wayne State has spent eleven point six million dollars of federal taxpayer money because taxpayers fund the National Institutes of Health, which then turns around and grants research grants to institutions and so even, even just this one experiment over many years has $11.6 million, and uh, boy, how could that research have helped, how, how could that funding have helped advance more human-relevant information that could help people who are suffering from heart disease?
0: Right, That's $11.6 million out of our pockets, essentially. I mean, these are taxpayer dollars that you you foot the bill for, and if this research isn't the most effective thing in the world, one could surmise that that is wasted money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially when you think about what the dogs uh, go through in these experiments, I don't think people would be very supportive of, of these activities.
0: But it's not just you and I that feel this way. There's a growing number of physicians and doctors and researchers out there that are also saying, hey, you know, we really need to take a hard look at this bill and get this legislation passed because we can do better.
1: Right, we have uh, a big list of um, physicians and um, other, you know, public health advocates who have signed um, uh, sort of an open letter to the legislature supporting this uh, bill, and um, we also have lots of regular people who have written into their um, legislator- legislators in Michigan to ask them to support the bill. We have now a big list of co-sponsors for the bill. Um, the original sponsor was Representative Sarah Cambensi, but now there's a um, nice list of, of other legislators who have signed on. So we're gaining some momentum in this process, and we're really looking forward to working on it more in 2020.
0: And I think that we should also comment on the fact that, by and large, Michiganers don't support testing on dogs i know that there have been a number of polls taken and it shows that the overwhelming support is for ending research involving dogs isn't that correct
1: yes that's right Um,
0: i have some numbers in front of me it said uh 70 percent oppose of them 57 57 percent strongly oppose um using dogs in experiments that uh, incur pain on the animal and the numbers are about equal when you know it's like hey well My tax dollars then are going to fund these painful experiments that don't pay off and get the result that we need to further medical research and and come up with a cure for heart disease. So it seems like there would be a lot of public support. But as you said, to get this bill pushed through – legislators, representatives, they need to hear from uh, their constituents. So what we have done, Christy, is we have put a link uh, with instructions to do so, to contact your representative if you live in the state of Michigan. We've put that in the show notes for this episode. And really, it is ultra critical that you do so, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, As you said, we uh, have found through this polling data that many people in Michigan support um, or, or oppose uh, these types of painful experiments in dogs. And that's why this bill is so targeted um, to, to focus on uh, banning those types of experiments because um, we want to make sure that we're reflecting the public interest, not only in better science, but more humane science. Um, and people need to uh, contact their legislators because it, without that, they, you know, the bill may not be brought up to be considered at a hearing, which is the next step in moving the bill along through the legislature. So public support is very important in helping move the bill through the legislature. So we, thanks for posting those notes. And we really encourage people to to log on and contact their legislators.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to post up a couple of other links as well, one of which will allow you to go ahead and track the progress of the bill, see exactly where things stand with it in real time uh, but also it would be really nice if you could go through and read the actual bill itself and, and kind of see the ins and outs of it i thought that the it was particularly interesting the former reporter and me found it interesting what the penalties incurred would be if this legislation is passed as written for institutions that violate this it would be a fine of not less than five thousand but no more than ten thousand dollars animal. And so if you're talking about over the course of the last four years or so, 700 dogs, that's a hefty fine. And that would certainly get somebody to think twice, I would think.
1: I think so. Certainly.
0: All right. Well, Christy Sullivan, I,
1: it's I, pretty short bill as well. So people can read it. Don't be afraid of the, le- the legislative language. It's nice and concise.
0: It is. I have it in front of me. It's two and a half pages long. I mean, it is literally a three minute read. So you can get through this in no time. And, you know, it's it's pretty big font, too, and double spaced. So it's, uh, you know, it's something it's it's important. And it's a really, it's just a nice piece of legislation, you know, um, because it, it, I think, you know, whether you're an animal lover, or you're just somebody that really wants to make sure that your tax dollars are, are going to the most efficient source. And um, or you're somebody who's had heart disease in their family, stricken with it, maybe perhaps yourself, you want to know where this money is going. You want to know that those dollars are going toward something that will help prevent and cure heart disease. And as you were saying, and as we've discussed on previous episodes, this, again, is not the best method to achieve the results that researchers are looking for. That's right. Christy Sullivan, is there anything else that you think that we should be touching on before we we wrap up and people get clicking on those links and dive into the bill themselves?
1: I just would encourage people to think about the fact that um, our our public legislators and our institutions should be putting our tax dollars where they're going to best serve the population of 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 michiganders and that is not in painful dog experiments that is in more human-based methods and uh, so hopefully uh, they will all support this bill
0: christy sullivan the vice president of research policy here at the physicians committee thank you so very much for your time and shedding some light on this with us great thank you And now we need your help to continue our efforts in 2020. Right now, right now is the time to act. And this is very exciting, too, because some very generous members of the Physicians Committee, they are pledging to match up to a half a million dollars in donations. We're talking about going dollar for dollar during our December Matching Gift Challenge. So that means that your donation will automatically be doubled and can help save double the number of animals. Your generosity can go so far toward helping the Physicians Committee head into the new year with even more resources, and your donation, it is tax deductible. So your gift today, not only will it help us push the bill forward in Michigan to help with those dogs, but it will also help improve human health and raise awareness nationwide and help our experts conduct valuable and possibly even life-saving research. But I implore you, please do not wait because we need your help right now. And there is a link to donate in the show notes below. And believe you me when I say that every little bit helps. And of course, the first $500,000 that are donated in December will automatically be doubled. To do twice as much good. I want to switch gears right now. I want to switch gears right now and turn to the powerful story of a 13-year-old who is well ahead of her years. When Josie saw a helpless pig that was abandoned on the side of the road, she knew that she had to help. And so Franny went home with her and her family that day. And it wasn't long before she had some playmates and Josie was rescuing other animals. Those new rescue animals, they had a new forever home. And now this 13-year-old, this extraordinary 13-year-old Josie, she is advocating tirelessly for a plant-based diet for her own health and the health of the animals she's working so hard to save. Continuing here with a special edition of the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. In life, sometimes we meet heroes and oftentimes we grow up looking up to people, people who are older than us. But in this case, I'm sitting across from someone who is many years my junior, yet nonetheless, I look up to her in just the biggest way. Josie DeBellis, you have a heck of a story. Thank you so very much for, one, being an inspiration, and two coming on the exam room.
2: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I've always watched the podcast and I'm um, to it and stuff and so it's kind of crazy to be here because I, when I was going vegan I heard a lot about PCRM and so I would listen to the podcast and like watch the social medias and so it's kind of crazy.
0: Wow okay well now you I just am. made my day okay cool <laughs> awesome. Thank you Josie uh, you and I actually have met before we uh, worked together mm-hmm. for another campaign, shot some things outside of the White House. That was the first day that I met you and I really, yeah. I didn't know Anything about you, but based off of that conversation that you and I had that day, I was just like, I have to have Josie on the show. (laughs) Like, you guys have no idea the story that you're about to hear, just what an incredible human being you already are. Thank um, you. L- Let's start here. You're 13 years old, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm 13.
0: You are 13 and you are already making the world a better place. <laughs> you you yeah. are way above, way above so many 13 year olds out there. <laughs> Why did you go vegan? Like, what brought you to this decision at such an early age?
2: So I had originally gone vegetarian because, I mean, second, I I always grew up loving animals and I think most children are born with compassion to animals. I think it's all inherent to us and it's kind of just the way that the system teaches us that um, they're here for us to use and harm in so many ways and that, you know, their food. So I grew up and I loved animals. And my mom has always been vegetarian, but she never like she never really explained it to us or anything. So we kind of just were given whatever choice we'd like. And I kind of I knew she was vegetarian, but I didn't know much about it. And I always just assumed it was something I had to do when I was an adult. I was like, okay, so when when I'm older, I'll probably be vegetarian. And then when I, as soon as I learned I didn't have to eat animals, and I lear- I kind of just learned. I made the association that that ham on my plate was a pig, that that Chicken's egg on my plate was someone's secretion. Like, it was just not—it was from someone else's body. It wasn't mine. And I instantly—I became vegetarian. And a year later, I went to Farm Sanctuary, and I had a special connection with one of the dairy cows, ex-dairy cows at Farm Sanctuary. She wouldn't go up to her caregiver. She was so terrified because she had had baby after baby stolen from her. She had been raped and exploited in so many ways. And she went right up to me, and everyone around me was sitting there in awe. And she went up to me, she licked my hand, and then I was like, okay, well, now I'm vegan. And (laughs) I learned more about it at Farm Sanctuary. And then I had the realization that I can be one less person harming animals, but I mean... I need to tell people, this is not okay. Like, you can't just be a bystander. Like, if someone's bullying someone, you wouldn't just be a bystander. You would do something because you're still a part of the problem. You're just a bystander. So why should I be a bystander when people are bullying and harming animals in so many ways? So then I became active, and that's kind of what led me to where I am today.
0: That's uh, you, you, I mean, you really just scratched the surface of your story. We haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Um, that's that's really insightful that you were able to kind of feel that and recognize that at, at such a young age Were your parents like really on board with this.
2: They actually were not. Really? So a lot of people think that my parents forced me to be vegan or I grew up vegan. But initially, my parents tried so many ways to get me to eat meat because they thought that it was healthier for me. They thought my health would deteriorate if it wasn't. Which, by the way, my mental health has gotten tremendously better. I've been a lot better in general. Mm. But they thought it would deteriorate me in so many ways. And so they were. They tried, They tried. first tried the humane meat lie. And I believed it for a little bit. And I was like, wait, why this just doesn't check out? Like this doesn't work, and then they um, were just—they were just worried about me. So I knew it came from a good place. And finally, my mom was like, "Okay, she's doing this." Like they didn't know if it was just me being influenced by someone else or if it was actually me. And then once they figured it out, they were like, "Okay, we're gonna support her because she's gonna do this no matter what." Like I was—I was set in my way, so I wasn't gonna do anything else than what. Um, than what I believed in which was that animals are here to be our friends not our food and she was like okay and then we went to farm sanctuary and that was when pretty much my life changed because I knew that this wasn't just a little diet thing like this was my lifestyle this was my life this was my passion this was my life's work
0: yeah, you, you kind of discovered uh, your purpose at a very young age <laughs> yeah. Like So so many people get into their 40s and 50s and 60s And still have no idea what they want to be when they grow up And here yeah. you are 13 and you've already, you know, it's clicked for you That's pretty cool
2: Yeah, it is cool, I, I'm happy about
0: it So when you say that you, you went to Farm Sanctuary Did you go back a second time and that's kind of when you schooled up your mom Or was that also when you met that dairy cow that you, you had that bond with?
2: So the first, so after I'd been vegetarian for a year, my mom was also vegetarian. Okay. Because we, she had been on and off vegan, but she didn't really know about the dairy industry or anything. And she finally accepted that I was going to be vegan. She actually like drove my dad to be like, it's okay, like we're just going to let her. Be vegetarian. So we went to Farm Sanctuary together and initially she was still eating dairy and eggs but when I made that connection with that cow my first visit to Farm Sanctuary that was when I became vegan and then a few months ago, actually, after meeting another Derek Howe at a sanctuary in London when we were filming the Million Dollar Vegan campaign, she met a calf named Harrison, and that was when it clicked with her, because Harrison had been stolen from his mom. He was found abandoned in a field, and she was like, okay, well, now I'm vegan, too. And I was like, okay, great. Now you're going to help me. We're going to make the entire household vegan. We're still trying to get my other family members to go vegan. <laughs> and, and she's just been really supportive along my entire journey. Because even when I was vegetarian and she was worried about me, she tried to help me. She tried to convince herself that it was okay because it just came from a place of worrying. And when she finally realized, she was like, okay, we're going to do this.
0: That's, that's pretty cool. But now let's talk about the best part of this story. The best part <laughs> of the story is yep. because you have taken your passion to a whole other level. You have actually taken it upon yourself to begin rescuing animals.
2: Yeah, so um, August 11th, 2018, I was coming home from a sleepaway camp in Southern Virginia, and I was just driving along the road with my parents, and we were just kind of talking and stuff, and we were in this small town area, but there was barely anyone nearby. It was kind mm-hmm. of just open fields. It was farmland. and. We're going by, and all of a sudden, I see this little piglet in a rusty cage on the side of the road with a sign next to it, scribbled in a marker, and it says, free bacon. And I i was vegan at the time, because it was it was only last year. So I screamed for my friends. I'm like, pull over, pull over, pull over. So we pull over, and as soon as we get to the side of the road, um, I run up and I grab Franny, who's the piglet's name now um, from the cage and I picked her up and if if you guys know pigs you know that they squeal when you pick them up but she just didn't pick she just didn't make any noise she kind of just snuggled into my arm and I was like looked at my parents and I looked back at Brandy, and I looked at them and they were like get in the car (laughs) and then so then we brought her in the car we went um we went to Tractor Spot which they sell food for farmed animals, and so I got her food, and we were just kind of hanging out, and this is actually kind of a funny story I don't know if I've ever told anyone this but my mom we had she had to go to the bathroom because she had just been waiting in the car for a while so we we're at this tractor supply and it's like a really rural area so right next to is just this meadow and my mom's like put her down like she won't run away she's she's really sick like she'll just you know she'll just stay there and it's fine she'll just pee and then she'll come back and I'm like I don't think it's gonna work like that and she's like I was like I think she's gonna run and like try to play around or or she's just gonna be a little nervous because of all the cars sure enough she like ran and for 10 minutes we were chasing her finally caught her you get back in the car we go home i take her to the vet a few days later this first thing the first time i got the appointment and they were like okay she's pretty healthy for a pig you picked up on the side of the road but um we're gonna test for parasites and it was something the vet had never seen before she had all three types of parasites that they test for because of how neglected and oppressed she had been and i began researching i was furious I researched. i was like how did she get these like what like i i know it wasn't something that i did because you know i mean she's been the cleanest she's been the cleanest best living condition she could be in and it's like it's if they're living in their feces if they're living with a bunch of other pigs then they're more prone to get these parasites because they get them when they're in like herds so if they're on factory farms they're really prone to getting a bunch of parasites and then that's still in the food that people eat but um so that has kind of given us a few clues about her past. We think that she lived with other pigs and that maybe she was the vernt of the litter because she is very small. She's actually a Vietnamese potbelly pig, commonly known as mini pigs. Um, and a lot of people think that they're called teacup pigs, but teacup pigs don't actually exist. They can get up to 300 pounds and still be considered mini pigs. It's a
0: little bigger than a teacup.
2: Yeah. And teacup pigs the breeders will starve them or they'll tell they'll explain to people to starve them and like they'll breed them so that they're so tiny and their bones are bursting out of their sides like it's horrible but anyway so we think maybe she was they were right there's there was like a farmer in this like a small farmer and he was raising a bunch of potbelly pigs for me she was the out in the winter and so he just decided to leave her on the side of the road we have no idea what what actually happened to her but I mean, now she's literally my everything. (laughs) I love her so, 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 so much. And um, I'm so dedicated to sharing her story. Like, anywhere I go and I'm I'm explaining what happened to her, like, how she got to where she is today. Because now she's, like, the healthiest pig. I mean, knock on wood, of course. (laughs) Right. But um, she she's so spunky she's really really feisty so she she's like she loves meeting people and so we i started the franny project and i started taking her out in our little stroller and we hold a sign that said i'm franny not bacon and we just kind of share a story and that's where it took off and we got our website and you know that's how the Franny Project started.
0: Wait, you actually took her out in a stroller, like, for a walk and mm-hmm. all that? That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, so she has a stroller now that she loves going in. And, like, in the meantime, when we found out that she had her parasites. And I was off school, and so we spent a lot of time together. And I was just treating her, giving her all her medications. And, like, um, she had to get a bunch of powder, like, par- powder, parasitic killers in her food, and I had to monitor her really closely, so finally, when I went back to school, I was devastated, and the entire day, she would look for me. She's like, where's my mom? And so, she was, she, but she grew a lot stronger now. She has such a routine, like, she knows when I come home and she'll be on the couch, and I'll cuddle for a while, and then, so... She she grew so brave, and I was really excited to share her with the world and share her story with the world. And so that's when I would bring her out in the stroller. And, of course, a bunch of people would stop me and be like, who's your pig? Where's your pig? And everywhere we go, I, like, I took her to Ohio one time. I took, I've taken her on so many trips. And... Um, Everywhere we go, people are asking about her, asking her story and stuff. And so that's when I was like, okay, this has a lot of potential. Like, I could share her story. I could explain why animals are here with us, not for us. And I could start my own organization because I've been involved with all these other organizations that I and I admire what they do. I was like, but what I've always wanted to be one of the founders of those organizations. I've always wanted to be maybe a a fellow kid that has their own organization. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. and. I started the Franny Project. We would go outside with her sign. We recently did an event. It was, like, freezing cold. So I had Franny in, like, her sweater and her blankets, and she wore my jacket. And then she's in her stroller, and we were handing out vegan sausage samples.
0: What are Franny's favorite foods? I'm just curious. So, like, what what really gets her tail wagging?
2: Okay, so she loves bananas. That's the all-time favorite food. She does a trick we call a sit-jump. But really? she'll sit and then she'll jump up for the banana. She does spins. So she loves banana. She loves pumpkins. Um, she really, really likes butternut squash. Mm-hmm. So I'll get canned butternut squash and I'll mix it in with her pig pellets. She her like one of her the main food she eats is baby spinach and then her pellets. So she likes baby spinach, but she also she loves fruit. So she likes the watermelon, the butternut squash, the bananas and stuff. So she's a big f- fruit cow, and she, she likes her vegetables.
0: Taste. She's <laughs> really healthy. Yeah, it's, I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife and I, we have a beagle, okay? And my mm-hmm. wife, I think that she's absolutely crazy. I love my wife to death. I myself could never bring myself to do this, but she will actually take our dog. <laughs> The Beagle Rudy And put him Inside the shopping cart And take him Basically whatever store She wants to go
2: Oh I've done that Have
0: you really What happens Do people like Say anything So
2: if I'm having her Like in her Like I don't I mean, when she was a baby, I put her in, like, the carts at Target, and I would put her little bed in there, but now that she's bigger, I just have her in a stroller, and I kind of use the stroller as a shopping cart, but people actually, they usually don't say things, like, I snuck her into Ikea one time, like, with a blanket over, her, and we're literally just in the cafe, and I'm like, Fran, be quiet, like, we were getting vegan meatballs, I was like, "Franny, be quiet, and I look down, and I, like, lift up the little blanket, and she looks at me, and she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, Fran, no, 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 you have to be quiet, like, we're in a, we're in a restaurant, they're going to Kick us uh-huh. out. And I'm like, I don't support it, it's speciesist. But you know, we have to be quiet. And so then we um now then I just started taking her everywhere with me. And so I I'll take her to the mall. And people are usually just so shocked that it's a pig and they're like, There's a pig in a stroller. Oh my gosh, she's a pig in a stroller, what is happening? Yeah. And then they just kinda of were like, Can I pet the pig? Can I say hi to the pig? And people usually won't say
0: anything yeah yeah That that's so cool that you and my wife are so you know you, you guys are just like kindred spirits like when <laughs> you guys meet you're going to become best friends um I, i'm telling you um <laughs> uh so you you haven't stopped with adopting Franny. There have been some other animals now that you've rescued, right?
2: Yeah. So we have um, two other pigs who live outside. We have a turkey who was rescued from a meat turkey hatchery. So we rescued him.
0: That's so so cool to me. Um, and you actually. Uh, have put up a ton of pictures of Franny uh, mm-hmm. up on uh, Instagram. You're you're pretty active there, right? What's your yep. What's your name there?
2: So my Instagram is at that teen pig mom, no caps or anything, no underscores. Franny's Instagram uh-huh. is at Fran Fran, so F R A N F R A N underscore pig. And our nonprofit's Instagram is at the Franny Project.
0: All right, okay, and that's Franny with a Y, right?
2: Yeah, Franny. Yeah, Franny is Y, not I.
0: Gotcha. All right, good to know. So my final question to you is this, and I want for you to speak to your peers, mm-hmm. people who are your age, young teenagers. Talk to them about like why they don't have to wait to get involved. You know, people think, "Well, I'll I'll do something when I get older."
2: Okay. So, when I I'm I'm really passionate about this too. So when I was growing up, I was always asked, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And usually, I would say things like, "I want to help animals when I grow up." But I mean, if you think about it, growing up is kind of a loaded statement. Like, what does that even mean? And so. But then I just realized, like, I I don't have to grow up to get active. I don't have to grow up to help other people who are being oppressed, and people include animals, because they are little persons. And I don't have to grow up to do what I'm passionate about. So we need to get active right now. And youngest people, the younger people, are some of the best voices in the um, movement because we kind of can connect with adults and other kids our age in a way that other adults can't do because adults always hear adults telling them what to do but if they hear a kid and they're like okay that kid might be more educated on a subject than I am they're kind of more intrigued about it and we're also it's easy it's way easier to talk to our peers as like they can understand more from us than the adult yelling at them or explaining something to them sure. yeah and so my advice would just be you don't have to be you don't have to have an office you don't have to you know be completely out of school you can like i go to public school and i still manage to do all of this and like do all my other activism do this go to campaigns hub have and like care for for any
0: you are a mover and a shaker and i just cannot <sighs> wait to see what the future holds for you i think it's going to be scary good Thank um, you. like you're you're 13 and you know people don't know their purpose in life their entire life and you've you've found it and you've taken the ball and you're running with it and you are doing a whole heck of a lot of good and you are a role model for so so many people including my Thank wife you. including my <laughs> Thank wife you. So, uh, Josie, uh, thank you so very much for being here. Everybody, go give her a follow. And uh, Fran Fran on on Instagram. What is it? Fran Fran underscore who?
2: Fran Fran underscore pig.
0: Fran Fran underscore pig. That is a must follow. I'm going to do that on my phone right now. Uh, Josie, you are awesome. Thank you again so much. (music) Thank you. My friend... That right there, that is Monday Motivation, Tuesday Triumph, Wednesday Wisdom, and whatever other daily superlative there is on social media. Josie, there is no doubt in my mind, she is going places, and if her story didn't give you the feels, I don't know what will. I really don't. And you have to see some pictures of Franny, too. She is just too cute. We've linked off to her Instagram account in the show notes below. And before we wrap up for the week, I wanted to ask for your help one more time. The Physicians Committee needs your support to build our resources and make 2020 a year of massive change for both animals and our own health. Through the end of December, every dollar donated will be matched up to the first $500,000 thanks to some very generous supporters of the Physicians Committee. So that means that your tax-deductible contribution will automatically go twice as far and enable us to do twice the work to fight animal cruelty, save their lives, and conduct what hopefully will be life-saving research for human health and nutrition. But we need your help to make all of that happen. So please give what you can visit pcrm.org donate or click the link in the show notes below every little bit helps and we thank you so much in advance. And you can also help by subscribing to the exam room podcast by the physicians committee and leaving a five star rating on Apple podcasts and wherever shows are available. Because those high ratings, they help us get this show in front of as many eyes and ears as possible, and that goes a long way toward helping in the new year. And that's going to do it for this very special episode. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening thank you so very much for helping and remember keep it plant-based